Uh, well, it's such a privilege to be able to uh, preach this morning. Thanks for having me up here. Um, now, this sermon is from Luke 12, because in uh, my church in Sydney, I'm preaching from Luke 12 in February sometime. I'm just really thankful that I can preach it here as well. And even though it's, uh, you know, guys are not doing a series on Luke, um, as Pastor Joseph said to me, uh, God's word is always relevant. So how about I pray uh, that we receive it? But... Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you help us to uh, listen with open ears and also with open hearts. And to obey. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I have um, these stock photos, uh, these stock image wallpapers that people love on the screen, I hope. I have a few. The first one, yes, there we go. So it's a winding walk into the mountains. And the second one is this planked path promising a fun time at the beach. And you have this third one, which is this unbelievably flat highway into a desert horizon. For all these three images, you're here, behind the lens, and you're going there. It's all about, it's all about a journey. You're going somewhere. And uh, you know, for the first one, you might be going for a hike. Uh, or maybe you're leaving the Shire, and you're going to Mount Doom, right? And, or the second one, maybe the second one is uh, you're on a holiday, you slipped, you slopped, you slept, and the forecast is sun for the whole week, and there's nothing weighing you down except for an esky full of cold drinks. And for the third one, how about that one? What journey do you think the third one brings to mind? Well, for me and a bunch of us, we watched the, the movie Nomadland uh, a little while ago. Uh, it's a movie about people who live in vans and RVs, uh, modern nomads traveling across the US. And this picture reminded me of them, uh, always heading into the horizon, always on the move on endless highways. And so in all of these stock images, uh, you're here and you're going there. You're here and you're going there. It's obvious that our lives as well, they, they never stop moving. You can't freeze time as much as you would like to. And so you might be headed to Mount Doom. You might be headed to the beach. You might just be moving somewhere. You're just on the move. And if I can be a bit melodramatic, um, this is basically what life is like, isn't it? You know, you're here and you're going there, and along that path, you have uh, milestones. You have milestones along those paths. Um, maybe it's uh, going to school. You go to school at a certain point. Uh, you buy a house. Maybe you start a business. There are kids along the way, grandkids. And so these events line the path, and you look forward to them. And you make decisions based on what's coming up. You make decisions now based on what you think is coming up. You know, you start putting more into superannuation if you're a bit older, knowing that you can access it in a few years. Or you, maybe you start listening to property podcasts because you want to buy a house. Or you buy a cot because a baby's on the way. So what you, what you think is coming up is an explanation for what you're doing right now. And if you zoom out even more, you know, not just our own lives, if we consider where absolutely everybody is headed on this path, you know, some people think that you know, we're headed towards another GFC, another global financial crisis and so, uh, along this path. And so they decide, you know, I'm going to save up. I'm going to take less financial risks. I'm going to buy gold, land or something. Some other people might think that you know, environmental ruin is on the way because of global warming. 
you know, the melting of the ice caps is somewhere along this path. And so for them, advocating for renewable energy is really important and sustainable living. And that's, that's the highest priority for them right now. And some, some people think, well, you only live once anyway, YOLO, right? And so like the highway into the horizon, you just go. You don't go anywhere in particular, you just go. Life is not about saving money or about saving the environment. Uh, it's just about enjoying it before you die. And so whether it's on the big scale, you know, talking about all of humanity, or just on the personal level, what we think is going to happen in the future will affect what we do right now. And so the question for this morning is, well, why, why are you doing what you're doing right now? Why are you doing that? And our passage for this morning is Jesus teaching the crowds, and it's all about how the future affects the present. And actually, for all of Luke chapter 12, Jesus is kind of like this time traveler. He's telling everyone, this is what's going to happen in the future, and this is how it should affect you now, in the whole chapter. He's telling them the future and showing them how the future affects the present. In our particular passage, Jesus tells a few parables, and we're starting at verse 35. I'm not going to have any um, verses on the slide, so you probably want to have your Bibles open to turn to Luke chapter 12, verse 35, either in paper or on your phones. Um, I will just be uh, going through this passage verse by verse for the next 20 minutes. So in verse 35, he starts with an illustration. An illustration is servants waiting for their master to come back from a wedding reception. Jesus says, stay dressed. Keep your lamps burning. Uh, Be like men waiting for their master. These are instructions, things to do. And so why are they doing these things? So that they're ready for action. There's a little word there that we don't usually consciously pay that much much attention to, the word for. These people, they're not dressed for fun. They're dressed for action. They're not just waiting around, they're waiting for their master. And so what action are they ready for? And what are they to do when the master actually returns? Well, verse 36 simply says, this is reading from the ESV, I apologize for that, I should have used NIV. Verse 36, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. You know, no dilly-dallying, no fumbling with the keys, no hesitation. One knock, door open. Easy. This servant is keen. It's almost embarrassingly keen. Like they have nothing better to do. They're standing at the door. They're trying to get a world record for the fastest door opening. You imagine that before their master's fist could even land a second knock, the door swings open and he almost knocks a servant in the forehead. So this servant, this good servant, doesn't have anything better to do because there really is nothing better to do than to open the door for the master when he knocks. And so why is he doing what he's doing? He's dressed, lamps burning and waiting, so that he can open the door for his master when he knocks. Jesus talks about waking up until the second or the third watch of the night, 
And as the NIV, NIV has translated, it's basically midnight to 3 a.m., middle of the night, heading towards dawn. The blessed servant here is in the dead of night with his lamp burning, waiting for his master. And that's what Jesus wants his listeners to be like. There's a second mini parable in verse 39. Just one verse has a parable in it. This time, though, we're not the servant. Well, the listeners are not the servant, but they're the master. And it's a really simple illustration in verse 39. Basically, you wouldn't leave your house if you knew a thief were coming. You'd stay and defend your house and get ready for the thief. And so the same point, the same basic point is in both parables. Be ready. You know, whether it's a servant who's ready to open the door when their master knocks, or it's a homeowner ready to bonk a thief on the head when he tries to sneak in, be ready. Jesus is teaching his followers, he's teaching Christians to be ready for his return. And the things that we do now are to be in preparation for his return. And so figuratively, we are to stay dressed. We are to keep our lamps burning. We are to wait for him. For verse 40, the Son of Man, which is how Jesus often refers to himself throughout Luke, the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so how might you be caught off guard by Jesus' return? How might you be caught sleeping when he comes? I'll tell you a story. Um, I, remember, I remember driving back from a wedding in Bairnsdale one time. It's three and a half hours east. East is that way, east of Melbourne. And so the reception finished at about 10, 10.30 at night. And it was, a, it was a great day, but a long one. And I was driving back with a friend uh, in the third watch of the night, and we were both tired. Uh, he's not the talkative type to begin with. So we're both really sleepy. And as I'm drifting off to sleep, my steering drifts as well. You probably might, you might hopefully you don't, but might, you might know the feeling. Thankfully, the bumpy lane markings, you know, they give me a shock and they wake me up. And then I get a shot, a shot of adrenaline and it keeps me awake for a little bit longer. But it happens again. And eventually I pull myself over and I slap myself in the face, literally a few times. And eventually I make a home in one piece. Make a home in one piece, as you can see. But it was scary. That was scary. Micro-sleeping is scary. And micro-sleep, that's what gets you, doesn't it? As we wait for Jesus' return, the way that we get caught off guard is micro-sleeping. The temptation is to micro-sleep into apathy. Selfishness, worldliness. You know, we drift into it. One day we're going fine, putting the gospel first, living for Jesus, and then we're tired. And going for a while, and suddenly we can't remember when we had our last good quiet time. And we can't believe the sin that we've fallen into. It's gradual, isn't it? Very few people, if any, throw in the towel overnight. The real danger is to micro-sleep. And we do micro-sleep. So, 
Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. We are called to live our lives as if Jesus is coming at any moment. Okay, but what does Jesus actually want from us? You know, what, is it, what do you think it looks like to be prepared to open the door as soon as he knocks? Is it hypervigilance? Is it crushing anxiety? You know, bordering on paranoia? You know, that the Son of Man is coming at an hour we, we do not expect, it causes trouble for some people, doesn't it? It's such a power move, they might say. You know, say you say you're coming back, but it could be at any moment. And so it's it's easy. It's easy to dismiss Jesus' warning and to justify our dismissal by thinking about it just like that. We've all probably thought similar things. And Jesus gets this. He's he's actually one step ahead of us. Surprise. He knows this attitude and he's going to tell us about it right now. He's going to tell us about it in the second half of our passage. But Jesus knows that his teaching is hard and he knows the kind of dismissive response he'll get and so who's going to tell us another parable and it starts with peter's clarifying question in verse 41 jesus uh, peter asks are you telling this parable for us or for all it's a good question is jesus telling the 12 disciples in particular to be ready for his return or is he giving this instruction to the all the huge crowd that are gathered around him Well, Jesus' answer is is kind of yes. He is telling the parable for the twelve and for all. It's for everybody listening, including us today. But hey, Jesus says, you know what, let's let's apply this parable, let's apply it to you, Peter, and the other eleven I have chosen. You see, all of my followers need to be ready, but you need to be especially ready. Because every Christian that I have given special responsibility to is to take their responsibility seriously. And also the right attitude of any servant is exemplified by the attitude of the head servant. And so Jesus launches into another teaching here. He starts talking about a head servant waiting for the master to return. This is now a manager of the other servants. He's still a servant, but he's the manager of the other servants. They're all waiting for the master to return. Just like in the first parable, the focus now is on the head servant's attitude to the master's return. And so here's the very sad thing that I've titled my sermon after, from verse 45. The head servant of the parable, he thinks to himself, he thinks these words in his heart, in verse 45, that my master is delayed. My master is delayed. The master told the head servant to be ready for his return, and as time passes, the temptation creeps in. This thought, you know, just comes into his mind. My master is delayed. Just like our natural response in the previous parable, it's really easy, isn't it, to dismiss Jesus' warning. And so Jesus has anticipated our response here with these words in verse 45. My master is delayed. These kind of words indicate deception, trickery. And it's the, it's the oldest trick in the book. Jesus said he's coming back, but it's been so long. Is he really coming back? 
Did God really say you shouldn't eat from the tree of life? Just like the trick the serpent, the serpent pulled on Eve in the garden? Did God really say that? Are you sure? It's literally the oldest trick in the book, and we fall for it so easily. Because our sinful hearts want to doubt God. It really does. And in our passage, what does this head servant do when he convinces himself that his master is delayed? What does he do? In verse 45, he begins to beat the other servants. He lives it up on good food and drink, and he gets drunk. My master is delayed. He isn't coming back anytime soon. It's a shameful picture. This head servant knows his master's instruction. He's been privileged to receive special responsibilities. And this quiet voice says to him, my master is delayed. We might not immediately think of ourselves as head servants or as leaders, but this is still applicable to us. Just as Jesus applies this parable to Peter and the other disciples, He's applying it to us too. You see, the problem is not that we don't know when Jesus will come back. Jesus is not challenging us to go for the world record or the fastest door opening. The problem is our attitude to his return, represented by being asleep, being drunk, selfish indulgence, and disregard for others. And here's the warning from Jesus, the stern warning from verse 46. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. When I was driving back from Bansdale in the middle of the night, you know, falling asleep at the wheel would kill me. Drifting off is lethal. And so don't micro-sleep. And also don't let each other micro-sleep. Keep each other awake to the gospel. It's not about trying harder to be a better Christian. It's just about staying awake to the gospel. People talk about being woke, and Jesus wants you to be awake. And so ask yourself, are you awake? Or have you drifted off? And have the people around you drifted off? Encourage each other to spend time in the Bible and in prayer. Keep each other awake. In fact, that's part of what Jesus highlights at the end of verse 48. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So from Christians who have been entrusted with many things, much more will be asked of them. But what has God entrusted to us exactly? You zoom in on verse 47 and you'll see. In verse 47, the most important thing that God has given us is knowledge of his will. I'll read it out. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. And so we've been entrusted with God's will. Knowledge of his will. 
How many sermons have you sat under? How many Bible studies have you participated in? Maybe even prepared? Many of us have received much. We have heard and we've been taught God's will for our life. So much is expected from us. And so what are you going to do with that knowledge? What are you going to do with this gospel? Are you going to live out God, your God-given responsibilities in light of it? Or ignore it? Are you going to stay awake or fall asleep? While we might not, not, while we might not be apostles like Peter, many of us have been put in leadership over others. Whether as parents, on church council, as Bible study leaders, on the music team, or simply as role models to younger Christians. And so this call is for us to stay awake and to not be deceived into thinking that our master is delayed. It's also a call to reprioritize. Earlier we thought about how a person's decisions are fundamentally shaped by what we thought was further down the track, whether in their own life or in the whole world. And so what are some things that you're doing right now? I'm sure there are many good and important things in your life right now. You know, environmental issues are genuinely important. Economic issues are genuinely important. And personal things going on in your life are genuinely important. And the decisions that you've made have been determined by the relative importance of these things. So like I've said, you invest wisely in your superannuation. You buy a good car seat for your baby. You consider the type of food you eat for the environment and for your health. But one thing should connect all of these decisions because one thing undergirds the whole future of this world. And that is the return of Jesus. The return of Jesus is the biggest thing that's coming up along this path. Jesus wants his listeners to know that there is nothing more important than to be awake and be ready for his return. And so throughout this chapter, Jesus has been on about fixing our priorities. We'll just quickly scan through chapter 12. Have a look with me. From verse 4, don't fear physical death, fear eternal death instead, verse 5. That's the priority. Verse 15, Jesus says, Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions because they can be taken away in an instant. Verse 20. And again, Jesus teaches that life is about more than food and clothing. More than food and clothing in verse 23. Instead, seek, seek God's kingdom in verse 30. And the last chunk, store up treasure in heaven, Jesus says in verse 33. Treasure that does not fade where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. In each of these chunks, it's clear what matters more and what matters less. But I wonder if it's as clear in our own lives, what matters more and what matters less. In this new year, we need to take stock of our decisions and the things that are driving our decisions. We need to think again about why we do the things that we do. And if we have micro-slept, it's time to wake up. Like how I had to pull over on the highway in the, middle of, uh, in the middle of the drive home and slap myself in the face, maybe we do need to hear the warnings in today's parables. 
Now, this journey home might seem long. It feels long. But you're nearly there. We just have to stay awake at the wheel. You blast the music, you blast the aircon, do all that you can to stay awake. If you feel like you've forgotten the goodness of the gospel, um, this might mean joining a Bible study group this year. Maybe restarting your quiet times. You could read a gospel account again. Or it might mean dropping things in your busy schedule to make God your number one. Or it might simply just mean talking to someone about it. Talk to Pastor Joe, talk to your Bible study leader, or someone who you trust will keep you awake and not soothe you to sleep. Because the one thing that is certain about this path that we're on is that Jesus is coming back. He's not delayed. He's on his way, and he wants us to live in the present in light of that future. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, by your spirit, please keep us awake and help us to keep one another awake. Remind us of the wonderful truths of your gospel. Lift up our eyes to you, to what Jesus has done, and away from ourselves and the small things that tempt our hearts. I pray that this will be a new thing for us in 2021. And for us who are struggling, I pray that you would help us to hang on to the gospel to keep going. And for us that are going well, I pray that you help us to keep going well. Praise all for Jesus' sake. Amen.